OR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. The Mets snowed out today, but that means uh, we just got a little time with you in the sports zone. It's like the baseball season never started. Roll right back uh, to the off season, but we've got we've got some baseball to talk here uh, for the next three hours. Uh, we'll take your phone calls at 800-321-0710. Uh, jump around Major League Baseball, some of the trends, a lot of the, the microscope on these new young managers across Major League Baseball from Aaron Boone with the big decision yesterday late in that Yankee game, which we'll get to, to uh, Gabe Kapler, you know, not remembering to warm up his pitcher before he calls him into a ball game a couple of nights ago. Uh, so I'll, I'll plan to do that. Jim Ducat will join us at 7.05. Todd Zalecki covers the Phillies for MLB.com. will be with us at, at 6.35. And again, uh, plenty of your phone calls here as we roll until 9 o'clock tonight. The Mets uh, snowed out against the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, they'll make it up in July. A uh, doubleheader at City Field. It'll be a single admission doubleheader. Uh, and you know, for the Mets here, uh, they get uh, they get a day tomorrow. A lot of rain in the forecast, so even that game might be questionable. Though it's supposed to clear at night, uh, so you know the weather not exactly cooperating. And, and who'd have thunk it that you start a season in March in New York and it might not all go perfect? Uh, it was nice enough for the home opener. Saturday was a beautiful day, uh, but uh, yeah, now the, the Mets you know paying for that a, a little bit and baseball paying for it a, a little bit with this you know kind of. Is it a freak snowstorm? It's not totally unprecedented to get early April snow. I thought we were done with it. I thought, you know, once it starts hitting 55, 60 degrees, all right, snow is done. Let's go. Charge ahead. All systems go. Summertime baseball. And then you wake up to like five inches of snow today, and the Mets, uh, some of the players were building a snowman at City Field. That's how they, they spent the day. There was uh, A.J. Ramos and a few others. Uh, Salty the snowman, they're calling them, as the Mets are going all in on this salt and pepper shaker. It's really a grinder. What they're doing is a salt and pepper grinder. Uh, but yes, they're, they're going all in with that, and they had that as one of the arms for uh, for Salty the Snowman, who might be coming out of the bullpen soon uh, for the New York Mets. Uh, a couple of things interesting this weekend, and you know, as I kind of touched on it, and one of the things to talk about today is, is all these young managers get an opportunity in the game and we have that two examples of it in New York Aaron Boone with the Yankees Mickey Callaway with the Mets now you know opening weekend for Mickey Callaway uh for the most part everything went swimmingly right yes they did lose yesterday but there was no moment in that game where you say oh Mickey Callaway should have done this Mickey Callaway cost the Mets a game there's nothing like that they were down 5-1 you know Steven Matz put them behind and that was that it was not a whole lot to complain about with the lineup uh, yet, if the Mets had lost on Saturday, then oh boy, it would have been you know DefCon two around here uh, with uh, you know him changing the lineup after how well things went on opening day. The Mets on opening day scored nine runs. It's another right-handed pitcher uh, against them as you go from Carlos Martinez to Michael Waka, and uh, Callaway decided to go uh, with a much different lineup. All of a sudden, Brandon Nimmo is sitting. Kevin Plawecki was on base four times on opening day, is sitting. Juan Lagares gets an opportunity, and as Jubal Cabrera is hitting leadoff, and uh, he he shuffled things up in a big way. Now, the Mets went out, scored six runs, won the game, so no one has a problem with it afterwards. I'll tell you, first guess, I didn't have a problem with it beforehand. Uh, you know, listening to Mickey Callaway explain all the decisions, it made sense to me, and considering all of the off days this week for the Mets, uh, they had three days off after spring training. 
They play Thursday. You get Friday off. You got to get these guys some at bats. You got to get them into ball games. I thought that was uh, the most sensible aspect of all of it. But you know, the idea of hey, this lineup oh, scorching right now. We got to keep keep it rolling out there. And you saw it a little bit yesterday in that Yankee finish, which if you saw the end of that in the bottom of the eighth inning, uh, the Jays are down one. David Robertson's pitching for the Yankees, second and third, two out. Josh Donaldson not only hadn't done anything in the series, but he's nursing a, a shoulder problem that's been costing him more issues in the field than maybe at the plate, but who knows? He hadn't exactly looked like the Josh Donaldson we've known over the years. And Aaron Boone, uh, decided to intentionally walk Josh Donaldson to pitch to Josh, uh, to, to Justin Smoke and Smoke after fouling off some tough curveballs, rockets a fastball for a grand slam and the Blue Jays win the game. Now, in those cases, you see the analytics, the numbers, you know, coming first and foremost. And that's why Mickey Calloway is the manager with the Mets and Aaron Boone is the manager with the Yankees. And we hear all offseason, you know, these guys are extensions of the front office and they are going to take all of that information and use it to make uh, the best decision. And it's not going to factor in what's been happening for a couple of days. And to me, uh, the, the reaction to both those things, when, when Mets fans, I was on Twitter Saturday morning, saw the lineup that was put out, everyone was apoplectic. It's like, let's take it easy. They played one game. You know, if a guy's hitting great for three weeks, well, we could call him hot. And yes, ride him, keep him in the lineup. He's going well. He's healthy, right? I mean, these are factors that play into it. If a guy's running cold, maybe he has something wrong with them and, and needs some days off. And, you know, these are the things that a manager has to have a feel for. But at a certain point, hey, you're hot enough, long enough, it will show up in the numbers. But if you had a home run on opening day or reach base four times on opening day, you got to play game two? What? Really? Like, you're hot because you had one good game? And if a guy plays randomly a Sunday in the middle of the year, the, your backup catcher? Oh, he has a good game, so got to play him Monday. Like the Giants are going to do that with Buster Posey. Well, you know, the backup to Posey played really well on Sunday, so we're going to start him again Monday and, and Posey get an extra day. No, you would never do that. So the idea that you would do anything like that because it's opening day or because we magnify the early part of the season is, is silly. Uh, so the the hot, cold part of it and, you know, some of the questions that these guys are taking – is a little silly. Now, I didn't like Boone's decision, but that's because you don't load the bases. You load the bases, you strap your pitcher in to a spot where you can't walk the guy at home plate, and he had to come and throw strikes to Justin Smoke. And Smoke fouled off a couple of curveballs, and then boom, comes with the fastball, and it's gone. And Smoke goes, hey, he's got to throw a strike. Has to throw a strike. Has to throw a strike. He's not going to bury the curveball in the dirt. See, you you totally you know tie the hands behind the back of your pitcher once it gets to three balls uh, in that situation. There, so that's why I didn't you know love what the Yankees did there. But it's not about you know Josh Donaldson hasn't done anything for a few days. It's got to be you know a longer run than that. And I thought you know Mickey Callaway, the Mets manager, when he was questioned about his lineup on Saturday prior to the game, kind of gave you a pretty good explanation of where baseball's at now and why. Because you had a good spot start, you're not necessarily going to be in the lineup again the next day. Yeah, you know what? I mean, there's tons of uh, uh, information about hot-handedness. You know, some say there's no such thing as a hot hand. 
Some say there is. Um, the numbers play out a certain way over a long period of time. I played the game, so I know when guys have confidence and when they don't. So I think there's something to hot-handedness at times, and other times I, I'm not sure. So we'll lean on the, the numbers in those situations. But uh, one, one game definitely is not going to determine hot-handedness for me. You know, weak guy, you know, starts doing something for a longer period of time, and you can see him. He comes to the ballpark in a great mood. He's got energy. He's probably going to do pretty good that night. So, you know, I definitely believe in hot-handedness then. So is that enough of a balance of, hey, you got to have a feel. There's got to be a little bit of gut in there from the manager, but it's not necessarily gut. It is experience of, hey, this guy looks like he's got a little swagger going. He's bouncing around. He's feeling good about himself, and he has some results recently. Uh, rather than just blindly looking at the numbers and say, hey, this guy's hot. He's got six hits in his last eight at-bats. i got to start him again. You know, and you hear it both ways. And sometimes I, I think it's silly. And, and, and if a guy's hot for uh, three weeks, yeah, that's something that's significant. Maybe he made a tweak. Maybe he changed something. Uh, Daniel Murphy, good example, right? In September of 2015, we started talking about, hey, he's changing his swing. And then in October, I went, oh, Daniel Murphy's just hot. No, he made an adjustment in September of that year. You could start to see he's hitting for more power. And then. Boom, it, it did explode in that October, but it's not just a hot batter. It's a guy who made an adjustment, did something differently that generated some different results. And that's what Callaway and Boone have to have a feel for. And it's not, you know, just riding the numbers overall, riding the numbers over three days. Uh, so, you know, I, it's interesting. Uh, and is it a little different than maybe it's been in the past? I guess, but. It's still that same balance that has to be there. You can't be a slave to the numbers. You can't be a slave to just going by your gut all the time. And, you know, this will be part of the test with Callaway and Boone and where they're going to lie. Will it be, you know, that binder criticism that that Joe Girardi used to take or... Um, you know, and it, it's certainly not. We know it's not going to be, you know, just old school managing 80 years ago. Hey, whatever I feel like in this moment, I'm going to go with. I'm going to shake the magic eight ball and, and let it roll. Um, so you get uh, a little bit of a, a mix here uh, with uh, with these two guys. And we'll find out where they are in that mix. But I, I liked what I heard from Callaway Saturday, and I had no problem with that lineup even before they went out and, and scored six runs in that game. Uh, but 800-321-0710, the number. You know, Callaway talked about confidence in regard to the lineup. Uh, confidence, an issue perhaps for Steven Matz as well after yesterday's performance. We could dive into that coming up. And again, we'll grab some phone calls here. 800-321-0710. We've got Mets tickets to give away. Uh, let you know, Jerry Blevins is going to be with us every Tuesday night on Mets on Deck. So a little earlier than this time tomorrow, 610, uh, Blevins will be on with us. He'll give his takes on the Mets. He's a fun guy. He's an engaging guy. Uh, he's got a, a personality. He loves movies. So uh, we're going to deep dive into his mind every Tuesday, get some of his thoughts on what's happening with the team. Uh, the salt and pepper shaker. I'm kind of curious, you know, all the, the position players, they all get to have a thing, right? The, the, the home run used to be the car wash, and now these guys are all grinding salt and pepper shakers or whatever. Well, what about the relievers? Like, do they get to do anything fun? So we'll, we'll find out why that is, and we'll, uh, we'll have some fun with 
Blevins again tomorrow and every Tuesday, uh, six ten here uh, on Mets on deck. This is actually the sports zone because the Mets are snowed out. Uh, so you're hanging with Pete McCarthy. We'll take some of your calls coming up eight hundred three two one zero seven ten on the Voice of New York seven ten W O R on two choices. We're back in the W O R Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. The Mets snowed out today uh, against the Philadelphia Phillies. They will make it up some point in July uh, when the Phillies come back to town. They'll have a single admission doubleheader uh, on a, uh, a Monday in July and and go from there. But uh, if you had uh, tickets for the game today, they won't be honored uh, that Monday. You could trade them in uh, for another game with similar price tickets, uh, you know, seating location, all that kind of thing. Um, and you go to uh, Mets.com slash rain. More information as far as that goes. But you can trade them in for, apparently, you know, any game, similar price uh, location except the Subway Series. Uh, so you could check that out if you were uh, thinking about uh, if you already had tickets for the game tonight. Again, eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. By the way, the snow will change some of the pitching uh, stories here for the Mets early on. So Matt Harvey will still go in his regularly scheduled spot uh, just a day later tomorrow against the Phillies. The Mets were then going to go to Seth Lugo. Instead, they'll skip Lugo and go straight to Noah Syndergaard. Uh, and Jacob deGrom will start on Thursday in Washington. So it appears that Lugo loses his opportunity uh, to start here for the Mets, and Jason Vargas is on the mend, was able to throw a simulated game uh, earlier today. Uh, you're not on the mound at City Field, obviously, just uh, in the batting cages at City Field. Threw it to Michael Conforto, who's back up at the club, and as Mickey Calloway said yesterday, it is possible that Conforto is activated in time uh, for that Nationals home opener uh, this upcoming Thursday, which would be you know remarkable recovery time and a huge, huge plus uh, for the Mets there. Um, and by the way, as far as Vargas goes, he said uh, that he plans to go to Florida to finish the process of stretching, stretching out to 90 pitches. Uh, and, you know, might um, Anthony DeComo says uh, he presumably could do that in a rehab game for Class A St. Lucie this weekend, and that it could then be possible for him to return from the DL as soon as April 13th or 14th. So that might leave Seth Lugo, you know, one start to make to show what he can do after uh, Lugo beat out Zach Wheeler uh, for that final spot in the Mets rotation. 800-321-0710. Uh, let's grab some calls here. we got Mets tickets to give away, uh, which we will do a little later. We'll dive into the Phillies. They are a mess right now. Uh, Todd Zalecki, at least as much as you can be a mess after, you know, three or four games into the year. Uh, but Todd Zalecki covers the Phillies for MLB.com. will tell us about uh, some of the issues that Gabe Kapler has had earlier on here. Uh, let's go to Jeff in the Bronx. How are we doing, Jeff? Hey, Pete. How are you doing this evening? Good, good. What's going on? Hey, glad you brought up those two points because those are two of the three points I want to talk about. First point, I know it's early in the season, and I'm not, I wasn't advocating for like starting to Selman on Wednesday, but when you get a rain out today, mm-hmm. you got to push back. You got to start Harvey and Lugo against the Phillies and have Noah start Thursday against the Nationals. I'm not worrying about that this early. I, like I said, I wouldn't have manipulated things, but when you know you get a, a break from the weather, you got to you, you could set the tone early, and I think other teams would do things like that, and I think the Mets 
should have, you know, Lugo's been pitched well in spring training. It's not like he was throwing, doing a bullpen game, but that's what I would have done if I was managing. I absolutely wouldn't have done that. Uh, you're giving Syndergaard a week off. You know, I think he would be pitched on seven days rest if you pushed him back that far. I would, I would absolutely not do that. I, I keep him as, as regular as he can be. And if it's against the Phillies instead of the Nationals, so be it. He'll have plenty of opportunities against the Nationals. And you get into August, you want to manipulate the rotation after the All-Star break, something like that, all for it. Not now. All right. Well, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on that. And two other quick points. Mm-hmm. Number one is, and you brought it up with Jason Vargas, he still has stitches in his hand. I don't know why we're, like, accelerating the timetable. Let him heal. You know, it's not like... This guy, you know, won a Cy Young last year. I just don't – the Mets were talking about maybe even pitching him and not letting him receive the ball from the catcher. I mean, it's just mind-boggling that we're pushing Jason Vargas. He's going to have the stitches out relatively soon. I haven't seen recently exactly when that will be, but I imagine the stitches will be removed before he comes back. No, right, but, I mean, I I heard Eddie C. say over the weekend that they actually toyed with the idea of having him, you know – pitch in a major league game and have the catcher throw the ball to the second baseman. I mean, I just don't get why we're, like, pushing the envelope so fast to get Vargas on the mound. And one more thing. Mm-hmm. When, when Greg Holland signs for a one-year $14 million deal, and I, you know I screamed about this all winter, I, maybe it would have cost a little bit more to come to New York with the tax structure and maybe not being the main guy. But if you're the Mets, come on, one year, $16 million, one year, $18 million, and you sign him, especially with what Swarzak is dealing with, you've got to make that kind of move. Well, he signed before opening day. Do I have the timeline correct before the the Swarzak injury? I believe he signed. It was either official on opening day or the next day. So it was before Swarzak, uh, you know, had the oblique issue here, which we don't know the severity severity of as of now, but the reports are that Hounsville Robles is in New York. So that gives you an idea that there's a pretty likely scenario that Swarzak's going to end up on the DL. Uh, yeah, if Swarzak was going to be out for a significant period of time, then yeah, I, I could buy it. But otherwise, I don't. I'm never going to argue against a one-year deal. But you could do that with every player that's sitting out there over the last two months. You could say it about Mustakis. You could say it about Logan Morrison. You could say it about Holland. Uh, go on and on and on. And there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. I'll agree with you on that. I'm not going to go nuts because they didn't sign Greg Holland. Could they use more help in the bullpen? Every team in baseball could use a Greg Holland. He's a real good pitcher, and he'll help out the St. Louis Cardinals. I just, I'm not going to, you know, ratchet up that kind of energy about Greg Holland signing out the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals need Holland more than the Mets. I will say that much here. And if the Mets are reasonably competitive in July, that's when we'll all be expecting them to. Raise the payroll, make some moves, and make a run at the Nationals, the playoffs, whatever the situation is going to be. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to go nuts about the guy that's been sitting out there all offseason long uh, that 29 other teams passed on. Uh, 800-321-0710, the number. Uh, we'll dive into the Phillies a little bit, give you an idea of what's happening there. I think the Phillies are fascinating. So Gabe Kapler has had a nightmare first weekend as the Phillies manager. Uh, does he... You know, what's the reasoning behind what's happening with him? How much better is this Phillies team? Are they a more confident team? Uh, we'll dive into that before the Mets start up this series with the Phillies, presumably tomorrow. Todd Zalecki, Phillies.com, will be with us when we come back. Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710-WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. 
Uh, we just heard from Todd Zalecki, uh, who covers the Phillies for MLB.com. He is getting the full New York experience. He is stuck on the 7 line, about to go underground in the tunnel. So Todd has uh, asked to, to delay, and we will have him on in the 7 o'clock hour. Welcome to New York, Todd Zalecki. Hope you are enjoying your stay, and I think we... Anybody who takes any kind of train here uh, understands how that goes. Now, that's that's the local all the way back from City Field as well, so he's probably already been on that train for at least uh, 40 minutes by now, so that's uh, that's exciting stuff. What's up, Ray? It's made at least, he said, at least three times he's stopped between stations. I mean, it's been a mess for him. Yeah, he's been, it, it's, it's completely delayed, and the, the poor guy is... Uh, he apologized profusely, and uh, he said, "As soon as I get back to the hotel, it would be better than uh, trying to uh, trying to to get to the point when I go underground, and then you won't hear me." Yeah, so then he would just disappear; it would just fade away to black, and then it would just be me sitting here talking about the Philadelphia Phillies. So, um, all right, thanks, producer Ray, and we'll get uh, Todd Zalecki on the show in a little bit, uh, which means uh, we got more time to talk uh, some Mets here before we dive into the Phillies. We will have Jim Duquette, uh, former Mets general manager, with us seven oh five. Of course, you can hear him on Sirius XM, and I want to, you know, dive into. I know, you know, something that Duquette has talked about that the Mets did in his time was that if a guy hit a home run, they would automatically put him in the lineup the next day. Which I, I think if you said that to Mickey Calloway or Aaron Boone, based on some of their comments over the last few days, they would laugh. And it seems reasonable in one way that hey, if a guy's going well, you know. Great, you give him an extra day, but how often did the guy like actually hit a home run in that second game and play, let's say, three in a row? And if he's not doing that or he's not productive that second game, then what are you doing? You're not playing your best guy. You might be a bad matchup. You have guys that are on the bench that are now gunning to hit home runs. It seems like there would be a lot of bad things that would come out of that. But uh, we could ask Jim, you know, how it worked out when he did it with the Mets. They had, you know, some runs of success with that, and uh, you know what he thinks of the the current approach to, you know, some of the hot and cold and uh, the way that you know these managers are are apparently going about you know, viewing how guys are going. And and it's almost a ridiculous conversation to have. Again, you know, three games, four days into a season because how hot can you really be after one game, which we were talking about game two, or or one series. Uh, now, you know, Stephen Matz in his first start of the season yesterday, uh, not, uh, not particularly good. Uh, three runs allowed in four innings. He walked three, a couple of them in the first inning. Never really had command of his fastball, uh, especially early. Uh, had some issues, you know, getting guys out with two strikes as well. And, and Matt's locked on on uh, some of the main issues uh, for him yesterday. The main thing was I was just maybe trying to do a little too much out there. Um, I was really smooth and easy before the game. I was feeling really confident going in there. And then when a hitter steps in, I try to make my pitches better. And that's when I get in trouble. Now, for Matt, you know, trying to do a, a little too much there as an explanation. Yeah, he's coming off the, the ulnar surgery, uh, ulnar nerve surgery this offseason, which Jacob DeGrom had last offseason and was able to bounce back in a big way. Uh, yeah, maybe some nerves, first start of the season, whatever it might be. But he has, you know, been in some big spots before. It's not as if, you know, this should be totally foreign to him. Now, you know, he started off spring training. Those first couple of starts weren't good at all. Wasn't able to throw enough strikes. And then he was able to figure it out. So you think, all right, mechanical adjustment. He's getting it going. We had him on the show a few weeks ago. And uh, he mentioned, you know, that they had been working on particularly throwing out of the stretch with men on base. 
and you know, kind of, kind of got away from him yesterday. And and I thought, you know, this this was telling from Mickey Callaway, and this is the way Callaway spoke about both Mats and Harvey uh, on this kind of level. But listen to you know Callaway, the former pitching coach, and what he saw from Mats yesterday. He just couldn't get the ball over the plate consistently, you know, really deep counts, falling behind and things like that. I mean, the one thing he did do is battle. You know, he didn't – damage control was okay. He didn't give up more than one run in any one inning. But uh, he just battled himself all night. You know, he wasn't finishing at times and just didn't have didn't, – didn't look like he had the confidence to throw it over. Didn't have the confidence to throw it over. Now, you know, he gives Matt's credit for battling, but confidence is something that Callaway has talked about with – at least Matt and Harvey quite a bit over the course of spring training and to now, apparently, right? And for Matt, their thoughts is this guy's stuff is good enough. If he throws strikes and is able to look, at, he's going to be fine. Now, now Matt, for his part, when he was kind of relayed that, was asked about uh, his confidence going into the game. Uh, honestly, I felt really confident going into this game. I threw a really good bullpen. I think that's why I was so frustrated. I felt really good coming into this game. I, you know, I threw one of the best bullpens I did before a game in a while, and I was feeling really good. And you know, that's why it's so frustrating because when you go in there and then all of a sudden it doesn't translate, you start to try to find it out there, and that's what I was, that's what I was doing. He's trying to find it, and you know, the confidence is there when he's walking out to the mound and then can't locate. Couple of walks in the first inning, he gives up a home run on a full count pitch to Paul DeYoung the next inning, and, and never, you know, really got into any kind of rhythm. Got that confidence back uh, to where it needed to be, and, and it's tough, you know, sitting, uh, you know watching the Mets games and, and talk about it from my point of view to say, hey, a guy doesn't have confidence in a, s- a certain situation or, or that's why uh, he's struggling. We could just kind of see the results. Uh, a pitch you know, didn't end up where it was supposed to. Uh, but, you know, when Mickey Callaway's talking about the confidence uh, of Steven Matz, you know, I, I think that's got to raise a little bit of a flag there as, you know, maybe Matz could turn it around just as he did over the course of spring training. But when it starts to become you know, a mental issue, in addition to you know the physical problems that have you know been there for Stephen Metz, that's something that you don't want to see happen here. So you know you hope uh, for the Mets that you know they get it turned around and get Matz right because he's a big X factor for them. He can be not in the class of Degrom, Syndergaard, but he could be just below that. He could still be a really good major league pitcher. We have seen him be productive out there on the mound for long enough stretches that he's got the talent. He's got the ability. It's all there. It had always been up until those last 8-10 to starts last year when he was pitching hurt that as long as he's on the mound, he's going to pitch well. And now you're trying to get him back on that track. But I think you know the story with Mats and Harvey, and you kind of lump them together, one of these guys is going to have to bounce back in a big way. I think Mats is more likely, but it feels like they could go either way. And the Mets think they could go either way. And that's why you know confidence is a word that pops up again and again when Mickey Callaway is talking about these guys. And recently, with Harvey at least, it's been the positive that Callaway feels that uh, Harvey has his confidence going right now. And I think he showed a little of it last week when... He said he thought the team would, would shock some people over the course of this year. And, um, you know, getting a little feel, um, you know, from, from Harvey there, feeling what the team is capable of. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, confidence obviously is going to play into it for them, but the Mets need preferably both those guys to at least be 
solid in the rotation, but one of those guys to really step it up. If they want to make a run at, say, 90 wins and make that kind of 18-game improvement from where they were a year ago, one of those two has to really ascend and be a a genuine number three uh, right behind DeGrom and Syndergaard there. And we've seen it from these guys in the past. Uh, it's a question of after you know all the physical issues and, and how you bounce back mentally from that as well. Is it still in the tank uh, for Steven Matz for Matt Harvey? And I'm sure Harvey, uh, you know, not exactly upset. He doesn't have to pitch today when yeah, it's a chilly night. And even if the snow uh, did manage to melt over the course of the day, uh, you know, not not ideal conditions uh, for baseball tonight. We'll see if it's any better tomorrow with some rain in the forecast, but at least be a little bit warmer uh, than uh, it uh, it was today uh, for the Mets. But those guys are the key. I mean, you know, as long as Syndergaard and DeGrom take the ball, they're going to be fine. There's no mystery there. If they are healthy, they're going to be great, and that one-two can carry the Mets a long way. I think that one-two almost alone can get the Mets into that wild-card discussion. Uh, it's beyond that where if the Mets want to be you know, big-time playoff contender and beyond that where we can start talking to them about them not just making the playoffs but doing some damage in the playoffs – that's where you need, you know, Harvey, Mats, one, both, uh, Lugo, I guess you could put in the conversation a bit. Zach Wheeler can be in this conversation, uh, even though he's down at AAA right now to begin the season. Uh, you get a couple of those guys to really pop, and then, you know, the equation really changes for this Mets team. So, uh, there's some pressure on those guys, and, you know, the early results for Mats, not exactly inspiring, uh, but I don't think that he's in, you know, any danger of not getting starts, uh, anytime soon. I know we had that question yesterday. Uh, they're going to ride Steven Mats for a while. There would have to be a lot of things that all coincide for Mats or Harvey for that matter uh, to not be making starts for this team they'd have to be you know as bad as they were last year and somebody has to prove that they're better which means Vargas comes back healthy which means Wheeler's pitching great at AAA or uh, Seth Lugo when he makes his one start and he'll have one last opportunity here really shows what he could do you know one of those competitors to be a starter uh, Robert Gesellman seems to really be adjusting nicely to the pen and enjoying pitching in that kind of role with a little extra energy and adrenaline so I don't, I don't think Gesellman's uh, necessarily going to be back in the rotation for the Mets beyond a spot start if they need somebody it seems like like he has crossed over to that other side. And I, I know that's always a question that comes up with Zach Wheeler as well. Would you move him to the bullpen? I, I just think with Wheeler, in my opinion, and, and Sandy Alderson, when I asked him about it, didn't you know agree 100%, but with Wheeler's background, with the physical issues he's had, if you move him to the pen, I think you're doing it one time and that's it. You're not... Moving him to the pen, seeing how it works, and then you can stretch him out again later and put him back in the rotation. I don't think you want to mess with him. He's either a starter or a reliever. And once you make that jump and you change his day-to-day and how he's training, I wouldn't be in a hurry to be going back the other way. So I would keep Wheeler stretched out at AAA, uh, hope that he can get things going down there, pitch better than he did in spring training, and then, boom, uh, you know, you have him in the rotation at some point when inevitably there will be an injury, a, a need will arise, or you know, if uh, if he's not pitching well at AAA, then maybe that's when you consider putting him in the bullpen and seeing if that uh, makes the the change or the light go on 
uh, for Zach Wheeler. But I, I still, even in today's game, I still value starters more than relievers. And it, it's getting closer, but I'd rather have a guy that could throw, even though it's less innings, we might not be talking about 200-inning guys anymore, but I'd rather be getting 150, 160 innings out of a starting pitcher than you know getting 70, 80 out of the bullpen. And so many of these games, and I'll give you the example, yesterday's game, they feel like they're decided by the time you get into even the sixth inning. It, whenever starting pitcher wins the battle, all of these bullpens, they're guys, the Cardinals have a rookie throwing 102 miles per hour in that opening series in Jordan Hicks. And these guys are filthy coming out of the bullpens nowadays. And there's more of them than ever, as you know, every team has seven, eight guys sitting there in the pen, and they're all guys that could come on for a short period of time and either blow you away or, or find a way to get you out. There's not too many bad bullpens anymore. Like, really terrible bullpens? There aren't many of them. The bullpens have gotten so strong, you have that lead in the sixth, seventh inning, you should be able to bring it home. And to try to come back is awfully difficult. So you got to win, you know, when it's uh, against the other guy's starter, even as these guys are throwing less innings because you're just not finding that many runs late. The game is not get into the bullpen and beat up on the middle relief any, anymore. That's for sure. Uh, 800-321-0710. Again, 800-321-0710. Uh, Jim Duquette, former Mets GM, Sirius XM, will be with us at 7.05. Uh, we'll jump into the Phillies with Todd Zalecki. Covers the Phillies for MLB.com once he uh, gets through his seven-line adventures. Uh, probably 7.35 we'll have him on. And we'll dive into the national championship game, uh, Villanova. Uh, and Michigan uh, coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. I saw Dexter Fowler this past weekend uh, right against the Mets. Went 0 for 13, rough start to the season. So uh, the Cardinals were in Milwaukee earlier today, and before the game, Fowler tweeted out, I will get a hit. I will get a hit. 13 times. He just had the same sentence. I will get a hit 13 times. He's 0 for 13 going in. And uh, it worked out for him. Got a hit uh, today against the Milwaukee Brewers. So now it's like the hot trend around baseball. All the players that are off to those 0 for starts, they're all putting that into their uh, little tweet boxes there and, and hit and send uh, and uh, getting that uh, getting that going. Board op, Mark. It, it could be called a tweet box, can it not? It's the area where you you type out your tweet. It you just dated yourself box. very much. Yeah, it's not date. What would you call it? You tweeted it. Yes, but you tweeted it. But if you're going to type a draft, that area where you type the draft, you can't call that a tweet box. I imagine somebody over sixty saying, "Oh, I put it into the tweet box." No, no, no. I'm not going that way. Come on, very judgmental over here. What do you think, producer Ray? Is that on the Twitter? The Twitter, yeah. Guess who joined Twitter today, apparently. Oh, I heard this. This now, is great. I cannot 100% confirm this, but it seems to have some legitimacy to it. Uh, Keith Hernandez has jumped on the Twitter. He's tweeting away. So, again, I can't confirm that it is him, uh, but it's at K-H-E-R, K-R-8-82-86. K H E R eighty two eighty six, and uh, he has uh, some T shirts that uh, he has uh, 
So they're, they're selling them in the, the shop. I don't know if it's a Mets shop or S&Y shop, but uh, they got some Hernandez T-shirts. He's got the book that's going to be coming out, I believe, next month. Uh, so he's got some things to promote, so it might make sense that he would jump on. And he says, fellow tweetsters, which, uh, you know, I think that's that's fine. Always gotta, everyone's in such a rush to say, oh, you're dated. Ah, oh, it's the wrong lingo. Come on. Have a little fun here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no blue check mark yet, but it seems like he just uh, jumped on. I will say that one of the reasons that it does sound like Keith, one of his first tweets, hi, everybody, I'll figure out this tweet stuff. Happy Mets were canceled tonight. It would have been cold and nobody would be at the park. I could watch the NCAA Finals. First time the Mets at SNY canceled a game before I began my 86-mile trip to work. That sounds like Keith Hernandez. The game's canceled. He's happy in the long uh, road trip. Uh, as uh, we hear him talk about on the telecast sometimes. So uh, we'll we'll find out more on that, uh, I am sure, in the in the coming days. But that would be a, a real boon, getting uh, Keith inv- involved in the, the old social media game there. Uh, 800-321-0710. The number, again, 800-321-0710. Now, just what's going on today in some day games today, some home openers uh, around the game. Um, you know, the, the Cardinals have a new pitcher from Japan, Miles Mikolas. Going, I pitched okay, and, and he had a home run as well. He, he pulled the Shohei Otani. You know, Otani's supposed to be the two-way star from Japan. You know, got to hit a little bit on opening day. Uh, pitched yesterday, and by the way, Otani he lived up to it yesterday. He was able to hit 100 miles per hour on the gun, six strikeouts, six innings, to give up three-run homer. But that's pretty good start him up from Otani. And one thing you see from Otani that will absolutely befuddle major league hitters is that splitter. There's just not that many guys that throw the splitter anymore. It used to be like Shane Reynolds and Roger Clemens and uh, obviously Mike Scott and all these guys that would master that pitch. You don't see it uh, taught you know to the kids growing up anymore. Nobody has it in the big leagues except when players come over from Japan. I've seen it you know, in the uh, amateur leagues, you know, in USA Baseball or international. You know, it's college, high school aged uh, kids playing against each other. All those Japanese. Players are taught the splitter at a young age, and that thing just dives, and it is real tough to learn how to hit. So, for you know, a league that's not accustomed to seeing that pitch a whole lot, uh, Otani could have some success with that. And he had uh, quite a bit of it yesterday, uh, racking up uh, a few strikeouts. Uh, again, eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. The number, uh, Jim Duquette, former general manager of the New York Mets, will dive into. You know, some of the early returns of these young managers around the game, from Callaway to Boone to Gabe Kapler with Philadelphia. Uh, that's coming up right now in News Update. 